looked at uh, Philippians chapter 4, but I'd like to go back and look particularly at a single well-known, can you say popular, probably committed to most Christians' memory verse in Scripture. And I want us to, this is kind of a simple endeavor here this morning, this should always be our endeavor when we study Scripture, I want us to get it right. I want us to understand the Word of God this morning, and you will be greatly encouraged, I trust, and uh, hopefully hearts challenged as we rightly understand a very familiar text this morning. Title our study, Supernatural Strength for Contentment. Supernatural Strength for Contentment. I'd like you to imagine with me this morning two men. Two men that are getting ready to compete in a foot race. Never mind the distance and what exactly kind of race, but there's two men that are ready to compete. They're opposing each other. Each is wanting to reach the finish line before the other. And they're close side by side, and they're stretching, and they're trying to control their breathing, and they're thinking through what they know so well. And both of them happen to be Christians. Both of these men that are going to race against each, each other happen to be believers. And they know the Scriptures rather well. In fact, both of them have committed to memory the same favorite verse in Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, among many others. And as they're stretching, they're getting their feet in the blocks, and they're getting down on the starting line, ready to listen for that pistol to crack to start. They both individually, silently in their head, began to recite the passage they knew so well. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The starting pistol cracks, and off the blocks, they both go tearing down the track as fast as they can. Muscles are burning, they're sweating, they're, they're taking in deep gulps of oxygen, and they're fighting neck and neck. And as they near the finish line, both of these Christians who recited the same passage, trusted Lord for the same source of strength, one wins, the other loses. What went wrong? They claim the same promise in Scripture. They both are Christians. They both recited through Scripture and prayed for God to strengthen them. But one loss. You see, both of them had different outcomes. The first, the one who won, as he goes home, he's, he's standing tall. Oh, I love that passage. Good thing I prayed to God. He's a powerful and awesome God. Look what he did. He helped me win the race. I've won. God, you're awesome. You're amazing. The other who lost, the Christian, recited the same scripture. God, where were you? You didn't show up on race day. I've memorized your scripture. I've claimed the same truths. I prayed to you. Where were you, God? Why did you not strengthen me to finish the race? Some God you are. Why do I give you time in my life? Two different responses in light of the same truth of Scripture. What's going on? Who got it wrong? Is Scripture true in this passage? Well, we know Scripture is right. We just understand it may take a little bit more digging and understanding to realize what God is communicating through the Apostle Paul as he writes to the small congregation of believers in Philippi. The same scripture that we read today, the same scripture that maybe you have committed to memory and recited in your life. What do we do? Two different outcomes. Two believers. 
Which man is right? How does the promise of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 work for you and me today? So many questions. So many things to consider. Well, for one thing, when we take Scripture out of context and try to use the Bible how we see fit to use it in our lives, we can easily set ourselves up for failure. And no doubt, we can misapply Scripture where it may seemingly sound wonderful, but in the wrong application, the wrong understanding, we may miss what the Lord has for us. See, the better question would be, what is Paul saying in this passage? What is God communicating to 21st century Christians as well as 1st century Christians through his word? What does God mean by, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me? What does all things mean in this passage? Creating all sorts of questions in this morning, right? Causing us to give pause and ponder the scriptures rightly. Let's step back for a minute and let's consider some of the greater context of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. In fact, let's step back far enough that we can consider for a moment the context of all of this little letter in scripture of Philippians. Written by the Apostle Paul. He's the writer of Scripture. It's God's Word, and he used him to pen these words. And while under house arrest in Rome and facing, in fact, possible adjudication towards execution, possibly facing the end of his life, and Paul writes and says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He writes many other things as well, but we focus on this verse. He wrote to thank them primarily. This, this whole little, cha- all four chapters, we have them in chapters. It wasn't chapters when he wrote the letter. But it's as he writes to the believers there in Philippi, he writes them for a number of reasons. He writes to them primarily to thank them for the financial support that they mustered together to be able to give to him. They didn't have much. In fact, there were many widows in this congregation at this time. Life was hard, and they were able to support him in the, in the mission work. So he writes to thank them. He doesn't write to thank them only. He also writes to encourage them and to exhort them, to teach them and to remind them. The church loved the Lord, but they put a lot of confidence in their own ability. Kind of sounds like congregations today sometimes, right? Oh, we love the Lord, but I don't know if we can accomplish that. We just don't have enough people. Oh, we love the Lord, and we trust the Lord, and, and we claim passages like this. I can do all things, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe when we're bigger, better, and more financially stable, right? Or, hey, <laughs> we got this under control. We don't need to spend several hours praying as a congregation before this ministry endeavor because <laughs> we're, we're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at this ministry, right? In different ways of looking at things. This is likely what the church of Philippi was experiencing. Some of these, these things, their confidence, they put a lot of confidence in their own ability. And it was, as a result, they became, became worried about things. See, that's often the end result when we put a lot of stock in our own abilities, in human ability. We begin to worry ourselves when mankind lets us down, when we fail, when we're not able to accomplish the things that we believe we can do so well in our finite abilities. This church was becoming worried. This congregation was agitated. They were seemingly even irritated with each other. 
It's easy to become consumed by worry sometimes. It's easy. It's like a cancer. We allow a little bit and it grows and it increases and grows instead of giving it to the Lord and casting our cares upon him for he careth for us. It begins to surmount and get bigger and bigger and pretty soon we find ourselves in in nail-biting anxiety and worry. There's some people that even enjoy worrying, it seems like. You know, by, by their attitude in life, it's like, can you just not once entrust us to the Lord? I don't know. I've got to think about it. I, gotta, I, gotta, I just can't leave it alone. I've got to ask my friends. I've got to tell this one. i got to calm down. Relax. Chill out, dude. Right? Trust the Lord. It's hard to do. The believers there in Philippi were doing things like this. Maybe this morning you come here, maybe you're just visiting the service and you stumbled in here and, or not stumbled, okay, that's not how you walk, with reference to that, but maybe you came in here this morning, you visited and, and, and you had no idea what the text was going to be about, but maybe before the Lord this morning, Christian, listen, maybe you come here this morning and there is a great amount of worry in your life. Kids, young people, not so young people, not young at all people this morning, Maybe there's worries in your life. There's concerns. There's things that are troubling you this morning. Maybe here this morning you're wondering, how is God going to provide? How is he going to take care of me? I guess I trust that God is big, and gr- big enough, great enough, and loving enough that he will take care of me, but i got to know how, God. I need to know how. Maybe that's you this morning. You know, in our, in our text, this very short passage, in this verse, in the verses that precede it and, 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 and precede it, the ones that come before and after, although Paul reminds the Philippians that God always provides for his people, he's also teaching them a tremendous lesson. See, he's giving testimony. He's giving thanks to God. Hey, God has provided for me when I've had a little bit, when I've had some, when things have been hard, when things are well, God has always provided for me, and he will always provide for me. And I give him thanks for that. But listen, let me teach you a lesson. Let me remind you of something you must remember, the Apostle Paul says here. He's also teaching them a tremendous lesson. The lesson is, it is God's gift of supernatural strength for contentment, for being content. That is, learning how to be content no matter the circumstances. Christian joy does not rest in the hands of circumstances. Believer's joy comes from the Lord no matter the circumstances. This is the lesson that Paul is seeking to remind you and me of this morning. That God wants us to know. Back up for a minute. You have your Bible open. You're in Philippians chapter 4. I've been asking you to focus on verse 13. But back up a couple of verses. Let's begin with verse 10 and read a little bit of the context here. Philippians chapter 4 verse 10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. They didn't have the opportunity. They wanted to, but they were not able to sometimes. He still was thankful for them. Verse 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. 
I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then here it is. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. No matter what your situation, situation in life is, no matter what the circumstances surrounding your life is, every Christian can be content because of God, because of Jesus Christ and the supernatural strength he gave the Apostle Paul and he offers to you and me as Christians today to be content in the middle of our circumstances. See, when the Philippians sent Paul help and relief in his poverty, in his need, in his time of, uh, of needing help, they didn't find a man that was discouraged and defeated. A man who had been beaten and imprisoned and chased out of different cities and, and had been slandered and lied to and had been attempted to be defamed and, and, and so on and so forth. A man that was under house arrest. A man that was waiting possibly the outcome of a trial that says we are going to put you to death for what you have done. In the middle of all of this, when the church trusted the Lord with what little they had to provide for one who was busily faithful in the ministry, they found a man who was not discouraged, he was not defeated, he was not wallowing in the, in the pits of despair. Instead, they found a man who was content, supernaturally strengthened to be content, divinely strengthened to be content in whatever state he was in. Now, the, the context of Scripture becomes even clearer for us, doesn't it? You know these things. The context reminds us in all of these situations, through all of these things and serving God and doing His will, I have the ability and I have learned, Paul says, to be content. And God will provide everything I need in order to be content and accomplish His specific will for my life. Ephesians four thirteen. So now we have a little bit under, better understanding. Now we have a little bit better insight than these two Christian men that were in a foot race together, don't we? We begin to understand that this is not just a card that we turn in for zap. I've got superhero strength and zoom, I can win. I can lift that weight. I can accomplish this. I can do that. This isn't a, uh, a wild card that we play and hold out on until things get tough. This is a way of life for Christians. God had given the Apostle Paul supernatural power not to worry. God provides that ability for Christians. He strengthens us so that we don't have to worry. He strengthens us in, in our trust and even in our faith in Him to accomplish what He wills us to accomplish, to endure, to be patient, to be content in our circumstances. This verse is all about having faith in God who provides us strength for contentment in doing His will. I'd like to remind you, as I have been reminded of, several Old, time, old Testament, Old Time as well, Old Testament individuals 
that experienced God's strength when they thought humanly, humanly, things could not be accomplished. Go back to the very beginning of the Bible. Did you go to Genesis chapter 17? We'll come back to Philippians, but we're going to jump around the Old Testament for a couple of moments, then we'll come back to the New Testament, make application for us. Sound like a plan? Good, because that's what I'm planning on doing. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17 this morning, we look at God's strength through his people in the Old Testament, through his children, and specifically, do you remember Abraham? The last time I preached this text, I, I, I reminded us all of Abraham as well, as the author of Hebrews does, and we're going to look at this in a moment, but Abraham, do you remember in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 and 16, remind us of Abraham. God's word says, and God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai, Sarah, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. See, God was to bless his wife with a son. That's wonderful. That sounds great. Wow, God bless his wife with a son. Thanks, God. What a blessing. This is amazing. Oh, wait a minute. Go over to Hebrews for a minute. Keep your finger in Genesis. Go over to Hebrews and see what the author of Hebrews says concerning this blessing, this promise of a son from Sarah for Abraham. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. We go to the hall of faith as it's referred to. And we see some things that take place here. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> verse, look at verse 11 as well. Okay, so Hebrews 11, 11 says this. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because the judge, she judged him faithful who had promised. Look at verse 12. Therefore sprang there even of one and a and him as good as dead, so many as the stars and the skies in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. There were two reasons why this promise was perceived as impossible. In fact, humanly speaking, it just was impossible without God. Two reasons. One was Sarah was past childbearing age. She was not young. She was not of the age to be able to, provide, to, to conceive and carry a child in the womb. She was past this age. In fact, she was, Scripture tells us that she was barren all her life in Genesis. That's one reason, one major reason. That's a big one. That's enough to not maybe trust God in his ability. There was another reason, and that was Abraham was advanced in years as well. And he was also unable to reproduce and to contribute in conceiving a child. But notice, if we go back to Genesis, you remember in the passage, God did not say, you will produce a child when he spoke to Abraham and Sarah. 
Instead, God said, I will give Sarah a child. God said, I will give Sarah a child. And you remember Abraham's response. So you're back at Genesis. Go back to Genesis 17, verses 17 through 19. Look at his response. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is in a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, my, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I shall establish my covenant with him for everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Now Abraham's response to God's promise was probably not all that different than what my response probably would have been if I was in Abraham's shoes. Excuse me, sandals, right? Kind of laugh it off. <laughs> Sounds great, Lord. Really? What happened next? Well, we can see. In fact, if you go over to Genesis 21, you know this. Let's be reminded of this. Genesis 21, verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah, as had said, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. God always keeps his promises. Amen. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. You call him grandpa and dad at the same time, right? And the set time which God had spoken to him. These are the things that God accomplished. What happened here was God was working in Abraham and God was working in Sarah. And what God is requiring of Abraham and Sarah was complete trust in faith in God to accomplish what God supernaturally and powerfully could accomplish. What does this have to do with Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13? If there was some way that Abraham could be here today and testify from the accounting of what's recorded here and in Genesis and forever recorded in the Scripture, you could probably rest assured that Abraham could testify what the Apostle Paul could testify of. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can be content. I can rest sure in His promises. I can trust Him. And whatever the circumstances, no matter how they look, I can trust God and He provides the strength for me to trust and to believe Him. Let me remind you of a couple others as well. In Exodus, so let's go another book over. We're not going to go through all 66 this morning, I promise you. But Exodus chapter 3, we look at another man, Moses. Over a million, in fact, over, excuse me, over two and a half million, really, people of God's people were bound in Egyptian, Egyptian captivity. Do you remember? Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 10, we pick it up there. Um, it's... Uh, it says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God was aware of their trouble. He was aware of their problems. He was aware of their, listen, their circumstances. God was aware of these things. Then go down to verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. So God's talking to Moses. He's telling Moses what to do that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's a big task, a big undertaking, no doubt. 
What a great mantle of leadership was placed on him. God had spoke to Moses from a burning bush, and he tells him these things, and here was an impossible task laid before him. Moses knew he could not convince Pharaoh, or so he thought. In fact, God didn't ask him to convince them. God said he would do this thing, just be obedient to me. Moses was scared to death that he could not convince Pharaoh to release the children of Israel who were held captive, who were enslaved by Egypt. And he knew he was incapable of leading those people into the wilderness, even if he could convince Pharaoh to release them. I am not a leader. I can't do these things. Moses began to list the inabilities of God. We look at chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the, pe- the people out of e- Egypt. You shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? What will I do, Lord? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Then God, in effect, answered Moses through all this. He's answering him and telling him, Moses, you aren't hearing me. Kind of like a parent might say to their child, you need to clean out your ears and listen to me. This is what I'm telling you. You didn't hear me right. I didn't tell you you're going to do this. I told you, you're, I didn't tell you you're going to accomplish this, God says to Moses. I told you, do these things and see me accomplish these things through you. Trust in me. See, Moses was God's instrument. And Moses could have said, rightly, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can accomplish all things that God has willed me to accomplish through his strength, through his ability, through his power, through me. You know, later on, we can continue going on. Do you remember Joshua? Joshua, who had to follow after Moses. He received the mantle of responsibility in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2. And God wanted him to go and to to lead in, in conquering Jericho, a great city, a greatly enforced city. Joshua told, or God told Joshua to do these things. In effect, God was saying, I didn't ask you to do it, Joshua. I asked you to do what I told you to do so that you might see what I can accomplish through you and through my people throughout the land. Joshua also could, in, in, fact, in, in effect, said the same testimony Apostle Paul would be saying here. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. There's another uh, yet even another example with Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. We'll quickly move through. This is the last example from the Old Testament for this morning. But do you remember the incredible example there in Jeremiah? If you want to turn over there, you'll see this, this great accomplishment that, was, that, that, that took place in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, the very first part of the book, the prophet it writes, and, and the account is given here. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Says, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, That's unto Jeremiah the prophet, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. 
Jeremiah says he was ordained to be a prophet. Jeremiah is giving giving um, testimony of the fact that God had selected him for the service he had called him to. God was wanting him to accomplish things. God had, had, had ordained him as a prophet. But then you continue in verse 6, and he says, Then I then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. He's giving testimony. I don't, I don't understand anything. I don't know enough to do this. I'm not trained and educated enough. I'm too young. I'm not able to do these things, and so on and so forth. We see a man faced with a frightfully impossible task, and he said, I can't do it, God. I'm not capable. And then God responds in verses 8 and 9, Jeremiah 1, says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. God was seeking to use a willing trusting in human instrument to accomplish his will. The Old Testament is not the only place we find people being strengthened by God to do his will, to accomplish his will through them. Jeremiah, yes, could have said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We come back to Philippians. We come back to chapter 4, to verse 13, and we consider the testimony of the Apostle Paul. We consider application for ourselves today and we wonder what do we do with this passage how do we apply this today in our lives right now it was during his second missionary journey the apostle paul during his second missionary journey that paul met a macedonian man in troas right appeared before him the macedonian um appearing before him asking paul to come over to macedonia and to help we find this in acts chapter 16 and verse 9 and even the apostle paul had doubts had fear, had concern for how he would be received and the message it would be received. If you go to, in fact, actually to Acts chapter 18, you see the response that he had of shaving his head, which is a sign of breaking the Nazarite vow. In, in, in Acts chapter 18, after going over to the land and, and, and then not being received and, and sharing Christ and preaching and teaching the gospel, as he was supposed to. And then when it's not received, the shame that he felt because of how much he loved the Lord and wanted to be obedient to him. Acts chapter 18, 18 says, And after Paul, this tarried there yet a good while and then took his leave on the brethren and sailed thence to Syria and with Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sincrea, for he had a vow. It was kind of an interesting thing to bring up in the middle of all of this. It, it, it gives us insight into the life of the Apostle Paul and even his concern. It brings, carries much weight when we read Philippians 4.13. You see, in Acts 18.18, 18, a haircut, as, as Paul did, going and getting his hair shaved for a Jew was a sign of breaking a Nazarite vow, which was a vow of separation to and a vow of dependence on God. Not succumbing to fear, not, not relying on own, your own strength. And the Apostle Paul feeling like a failure, feeling, feeling irresponsible and not accomplishing what he had hoped to do. In effect, Paul looked at the godless land of Greece, steeped in, its, in all of its human reasoning and its mythical religion, its paganism and its lostness. And in effect, the Apostle Paul was really saying, I can't do it, Lord can't do it. 
They won't hear me. They won't turn to you. They're an obstinate people. He's then in dependence on God, dependent on him for God's enabling supernatural strength to accomplish his will, to be content in the circumstances he was in, made his way over to Macedonia, then into uh, Philippi, and you can follow along in the map in your Bible and remember his journey, Thessalonica, Berea, and then down to Athens, and then finally into Corinth, where he most recently had been studying his work there in Corinth, 1 Corinthians. All the while, leaving behind him newly established churches through God's strength and God's power in the midst of otherwise extenuating circumstances, resisting. Paul certainly could say, as he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What can we accomplish? What can we do? What do we do with this passage in our lives? We get a little bit of insight of the great and marvelous things that the Lord accomplished and people that relied on him for strength. It's God's supernatural strength. We looked at a little bit of the Apostle Paul, reminded how even him and his wavering faith at times, I can't do these things, trusting in God and then God doing so much through him because this was God's plan for his life. We look at Hebrews 11 as a record of what faith in God sets one free to do. Examples throughout the Old Testament. The, the Old Testament. We look at Hebrews 11, we see what, what faith in God frees us to do. What trusting in God empowers us, us to do. And these are records of God working as people trusted Him and relied on Him. Even when circumstances are difficult. Even when we don't seem to have all the answers before us. Listen, if Jesus Christ who dwells within us, which you believe he does, and the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, if he dwells within us and, and as we yield to his leading in our life in obedience to scripture as he would command us, understanding that we give him free reign to control our thoughts, what we say, what we do, we understand that it is through us God will and can accomplish his will as we yield to him and trust him christians we can live a victorious life we are called to live a victorious life because like the saints recorded in the bible we too can do all things through christ which strengthens you we can do all of what god wills us and wants us to accomplish through christ and his strength now, I don't know every single worry, certainly. You know that. I am not a mind reader. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I do not know all things, nor do I claim to know even half of them. I don't know the circumstances that you carry with you, the weight that's on your shoulders and your heart and your mind this morning of things going on in your life and the circumstances and the conditions. I have a good idea of a number of you, as you have shared, we've prayed together, I don't know all the difficulties. I don't know all the struggles. I don't know all the circumstances you're facing. But God does. My Lord, our Lord, knows everything that you are facing. He knows every circumstance. He knows every difficulty. He knows every struggle. And he's concerned deeply 
for your right response and your benefit and your growth and your maturity and God the Father's glory through these circumstances. God who sees and knows all our needs has promised to meet them in Christ. In 2 Corinthians, we turn to one last passage here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope you haven't put your Bibles away yet. We're finishing up now, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Please look at these tremendous passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 tell us this. Are you there? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know, as Christians, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, you are able to do anything that God wills as He supernaturally strengthens you to do so. God provides the strength and the power to be content when life is not ideal. When you're struggling with the relational separation or conflict. When you're struggling with singleness, desiring a relationship. When you're struggling with a relationship or an issue with an employer or an employee. As you struggle with conflict with other individuals. Maybe personal problems that no one else but God in heaven knows about that you struggle with. Whatever they may be, wherever you may be struggling with contentment, know that God provides supernatural strength to be content in any and all circumstances as we turn to Him and trust Him. He is able to provide the strength for contentment. He alone provides the grace to persevere and to overcome and to live victoriously. Paul had peaceful contentment I mean, think of this. House arrest, facing the arbitrary outcome of his uh, being put to death. Him being in such need that, that a little bit of finances, a little bit of help, a, a, a coat for warmth, maybe some medicine, a little bit, anything from other believers was a great help in his life. Being mistreated for the sake of Christ. And in the middle of all this, did you catch it? Look at, look, look at it again. Philippians 4.13. In all of this, he could be content. He could suffer all these things and be content. He could go through all these circumstances in life and be content and be strengthened that in whatever position he was in the life, God would provide for his needs and strengthen him. Yes, you also can endure. We can endure all things that are God's will for you and me. God will never call on you to accomplish a task 
without availing you and equipping you the necessary strength and contentment. Do you realize that? God does not call a single one of us to anything according to his will without providing us the ability, the power, the strength, and the grace to accomplish his will in our life. God is not unkind. He's not a cosmic bully saying, ha, 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 look at you, Christian struggle. He's a God that is loving and caring and benevolent in his grace to us. And he provides us the strength to be content in no matter the circumstances. And remember, like Paul, you can be content. You can endure all things because it is Christ that strengthens you. And when we are content to rely on him, listen, when we are content to rely on him, God is truly glorified. So what do we do with Philippians 4.13? Well, it certainly isn't a band-aid verse when we accomplish something that we physically are struggling with. But it is a reminder that God provides a supernatural strength to be content in any circumstance as we rely on him and not our human ability. Look to him. Trust him as he strengthens us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a familiar text of Scripture, for the reminder that we get from Scripture, the truth that we are told and taught from Scripture, that you have everything that we need, and you offer everything that we need. You provide everything we need a faithful, obedient life that glorifies you. And if we understand these things to true, then as we, to be true, as, as, as we go into our life this week, we, we understand that we can learn to be content. Not because we muster up the strength to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, and, and grit through the day and the week. Because we source our strength and our joy in you, God as you provide it for us. Maybe this week, Lord, we need to spend some more time. There may be more this, in this room here this, this morning that need to spend extra time praying, God, I've been trusting myself. Forgive me. I trust you, and I want to be content. I may not be content and happy in this certain employment situation. I may not be as content as I ought to be in this relationship. I may not be content right now in this life, whatever it may be. And that's wrong, Lord. Because you provide the supernatural strength in whatever state I am. As I seek to follow your will, you will provide contentment and strength. Oh, Lord, strengthen us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and not our circumstances this week. Help us to trust you more. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for offering your son, Jesus Christ, who provided salvation for us that we might begin to now, through salvation as Christians, born again believers, tap into the supernatural strength that you provide in our lives. Thank you for all these things, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.